Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating, and if you have the time, also a comment. When you leave a rating for the podcast, it helps others to find the podcast and thus reach more people. To leave a comment to me, click on the link in the show notes. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when a new episode has been posted. You subscribe by tapping on the subscribe or follow button. Now, each podcast app is different. So if you don't see the follow or subscribe button, a simple Google search about the app you're using will show you how. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and have benefited from it, I encourage you to start donating a few dollars to the General Missionary Fund each month. And as a reminder, I've now joined the big guys by offering chapters for the podcast. This will make it easy for you to return to the podcast and hear again the sections that were of interest to you. Today's guest is Alan Russell, stake president of the Ogden YSA Second Stake and an entrepreneur. I met Alan when I spoke at the devotional in his stake. The Spirit prompted me to interview him along with Trevor Bell, who was also in attendance at the devotional. I knew nothing of either of these great men until I followed through on the promptings I received and came to know them through my podcast and additional contact. Alan is an accomplished businessman and, more importantly, a deeply spiritual man. He is a devoted husband and father and shares with us some great lessons he's learned through his earthly journey. After hearing from Alan and then reflecting on my podcast with Trevor, I think you'll see why I was prompted to interview these two men of great faith. Alan, welcome to the podcast. How are you this morning? Very well, Elder Bernard. Thank you for inviting me and having me as your guest today. Well, in our pre-recording of this, we talked about the weather. We've been so blessed with snow, but today... We have sunshine as I look out my window, and uh, you're farther further north up in Ogden, and you get more snow than we get down here, so I bet you're really appreciative, as you said you were, of just having some nice sun. You know, anytime that you can experience light like this, a brilliant light like it is today, it just warms your soul, makes me feel good, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm not uh, uh, saying that the snow's been a negative, but but it's been what we needed and seen God's hand in that. And then and it's like the clouds clear. And here he says, here you are, my children. Uh, I'm, I'm here always to bless you. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. Well, I spoke in your stake a few weeks ago. I really enjoyed um, it was for YSA. And uh, it was very special. The, I just felt the spirit from the... Uh, they're not youth, they're young adults, but um, to fill the, their spirit and just the spirit that was in the room. Um, but let's talk a little bit about you, um, family-wise. Uh, children? I have six children, uh, three daughters, three sons. Uh, my oldest daughter is now the head coach at BYU basketball. Uh, just got uh, Jeff Judkins, uh, took over his assignment to uh, had a beautiful experience, and I, I've loved uh, more of the spiritual uh, 
road that led to that, interviewed by five general authorities and then and then uh, given the assignment by Elder Holland. And uh, it's it's literally rescued her, not not from the pits of despair or anything ugly or negative, but but just to focus again on what's really important and how important God is in her life. And uh, it's been a delight for me to see that turnabout and how she's evolved into that that thing. My, and she had two children, uh, Jace, her oldest son, just returned from Finland uh, of a mission there. Had a wonderful mission, a great young man, and he's playing basketball for Boise State. And, uh, you know, sometimes we think life is going to go a certain way. And, and uh, he went to, to accept a scholarship at Boise State before his mission. His parents lived in Burley, and he thought that would be a close college where they could all be together and see the games and, and participate with him in that. Well, in the meantime, just before he gets uh, uh, off to Boise State, Amber gets this assignment to, to be at BYU. So I sensed one day that uh, Jace was being a little down. And uh, so I just reached out to him and said, Jace, how are you doing? He said, Grandpa, this isn't what I thought it'd be. He said, I thought we'd be all together as a family and enjoy this time. And and uh, we talked for a minute and, and I reminded him of his, his plan for his mission and, and who he became. And that families, even though they may, may be a distance apart, they're never really apart. And uh, he took heart in that and he's commented to me several times. We've had we've had some good conversations. Their daughter, Amari, was the number one recruit in the nation last year um, from Burley for college basketball. And she was going to to Oregon to play, had verbally committed to them. And then when her mother got this assignment, uh, uh, she decided to go to BYU. So she'll be at BYU playing basketball next next season for them. Then my second daughter, uh, Amy, she lives in Logan. She has four children, three girls and a boy. Uh, delightful family. They're 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 beautiful. They're they're serving their community. Uh, she just has a heart like his, the Savior's, and uh, she's always out and about, uh, making a difference in the neighborhood and with other people. My next one, my oldest son, is uh, Lane. Uh, he lives just around the corner from us. He has four little boys. Uh, work, working for Northrop Grumman, uh, very successful uh, young man and, and uh, uh, mindful people. He has a, he has a, he also has a good heart and uh, raising boys in a way that uh, they should be. And it's it's a joy for me as the father to have your sons or your daughters call and ask your advice, and which means that we have good relationships. And he's called a couple of times lately, just concerned about his oldest son, not not in the way that that uh, he feels like he's fallen off anywhere, but just in a way that, that uh, how, how do I connect with him, Dad? How do I keep that relationship? Then my second son, uh, Clint, he has uh, two little girls, and uh, we just they just announced last week they're on, having their third child. Uh, he runs a business that I used to own. Um, I turned it over to him, uh, very successful, and, and everybody that I, that I talked to said, oh, we love your son. He is so good, so willing to help us and, and serve us. And I just, I love, I love the feedback on some of this. And then my, my next child was Jed. And at age 17, he was coming home from studying with some friends and uh, a car passed him a block and a half from our home and thought he had room and came back and clipped, clipped his bumper and flipped him into a telephone pole. And uh, his life was taken that night. And uh, but I I tell you there is no sting in death. Um, the power of the deliverance to the Savior is mightier than anything that this earth has to hold us. These uh, <clears throat> these are not tears of sadness, but just recalling the 
the joy that this boy and I have experienced together. Every pitcher that we're together, he's got his hand on my shoulder or he's, he's by me. I've given him counsel before. I've heard him go into his in the other other room and tell his friends the same thing that I just told him, uh, which makes it very special and unique. My youngest daughter, um, she's built a home right behind us. Uh, would love to be married, but she's 31, not married. Um, has made herself available. Just a just a cute, cute girl, and and uh, but uh, she struggles some with that, uh, but. But I see her coming here every day to make sure her mom and dad are okay and and that life is good for us. So that's our six children and and uh, what a delightful basket full of gold they are today. Uh, just to see them be adults and and to act in the way that you'd hope they would. Temple attenders, uh, faithful in their callings and and uh, covenant keepers. So we're we're proud of them, grateful for them. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, first of all, I didn't realize that. When one becomes a coach at BYU, you're you have interviews by the um, general authorities. I didn't either, Elder Bernard. In fact, uh, I'll tell you something that's very sacred to me, and I and I don't share this just to be openly about something that I think we should get accolade for, but just to to reveal perhaps the sacredness of of what these assignments are. It's not just a basketball coach. It's it's formulating the lives of young women. Uh, still the gospel and and uh, when they travel uh, some of them some of them un, un, don't want to go to church and Amber said no we're a team we we're unified as a family we all go to church together but uh, when Elder Holland uh, gave her the assignment for this calling uh, for this assignment he said to her that you will experience miracles miracles in your own life and miracles for your extended family and uh, she wrote that down. She, she, when she got through, she read it to me. She said, Dad, I, I want you to hear this. And she said, what does that mean exactly? And I said, dear, I don't, I don't, not sure, but, but I know that there will be some tender mercies happen for you and for your family, and there will be good things take place. And so her husband's living in Burley with, with the other two, two kids, their children, and she's down in a studio apartment at BYU. Well, four days later, a man, unbeknownst to who he was, shows up on the doorstep of, of her husband's name is Trent, and, and he rang the doorbell, and Trent answered the door, and he said, can I help you? And he said, yeah, and he had a piece of paper in his hand, and he reached the piece of paper out to Trent, and uh, he said, uh, this should be self-explanatory, and Trent looked at it, and he said, I'm not sure what this is, and he said, I want to buy your home. And the check was written for six-figure, more than what they thought the home was even worth, and he said, I want you out in two weeks. And I'll pay for insurance to have your have your items moved. That if anything happens to them at all, it will be replaced at full price. Hmm. And uh, I Amber called me. She said, "Dad, is this?" And I said, "I believe it is, Amber. I think that that God is is merciful. Knew that that uh, you and Amari and and Trent needed to be together, even though Jace is going off to Boise, and and now you're together as family. You can concentrate on what what the Lord's asked you to do. And so, I I just see those little tender mercies and miracles happening, and and uh, how she's grown. And it's just been a beautiful experience. But to have five general authorities, and then before she left, a general authority friend of mine called me and said, is your daughter still in the building? I said, yeah, I think she is. And he said, would you send her my number and have her call me? And so she got to one more, not an interview, but just a, a dear friend uh, brought her into his office down there, and they sat and chatted for another, another 30 minutes. Well, that's quite a story. Thank you for sharing. The second thing is... Uh... I just can't imagine losing a child. Um, 
What would you say to the listeners that have maybe struggled with that? Um, you know, I think uh, I uh, from the moment it happened, I, in fact, I, I got to, his his youngest sister came out of the basement sobbing and she said, Dad, something's wrong with Jed. You need to go find him. And I could tell by her voice that, and she was only seven or eight at the time, and I could tell by her voice that there was something that happened to her that was unusual. So I jumped and ran and, and uh, getting in the car, and my second son, Clint, said, you're not going without me, Dad. I'm going with you. And we just finished with the state patriarch with him and with the state president for his mission papers and for his patriarchal blessing. And uh, so we're... I didn't, I didn't have a clue where I was going. I drove to the corner and saw some dust in the sky to the west of me. It was just between dusk and dark. And I just turned that corner and went that way. And, and uh, I, I got to him before anybody else did. And uh, I collapsed in the field when I saw him. It was just such a dramatic thing to me in that moment. Uh, but just coming home to family to, to tell the rest of them what had happened, I felt a power enter my enter my soul that was un uh I can't even describe it. I there was I felt like I had just won an event or had just received a calling that was significant in my life. Overwhelmed and powered by it by something that, that I had never really felt before. But there were so many tender mercies that happened immediately after that. In fact I'll tell you one that happened right before it that I think we all need to know in our lives that, that there are subtle, simple things that come. It's like hinges on a gate. We've, we've been told by President Hinckley that uh, by small hinges, large gates swing. And as I came home from church that day I, uh, on a Sunday, I was really tired. I just wanted to go up and lay down for a few minutes. And the boys were down in the family room together watching a football game. And I started up the stairs and, and a voice said to me, Jed needs you. And I said, oh, not right now, please. I, let, let me just get a few minutes and I'll get back to him. I took two more steps and the voice came back again, said, Jed needs you now. And so <clears throat> I said, okay. And I, I stepped back down the stairs, put my head around the banister so I could see in the family room. And, and I said, Jeb, would you like to go for a ride? And, and he popped off the couch. I didn't think he would. I thought he'd say, no, after the game, Dad, which would have gave me my 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 hope in that moment that, I'd be able to go get a few minutes of rest, and and uh, he was out in the truck waiting for me. So I changed my clothes, got out the truck, and we drove for four and a half hours. We talked, we laughed, we cried. He shared everything, his intimate things in his life uh, about himself, and uh, wanted me to know that he was trying, he was struggling, and and things weren't always easy, but but he still believed, and and uh, went home, and and four days later, Elder Bernard. Uh, he's gone. Mm. And I've thought about that often. What if I had, what if I had not listened that day? How would I feel about myself today? Not having that opportunity because it's journal entries of several pages with him. And then we found his phone after he was gone. And there's a scripture on there about repentance. And he wrote at the bottom of his own journal entry that he was trying desperately to do what he needed to, because he needed to prepare himself to serve a mission. He'd watched his older brothers do that. And he said, uh, I, I have to do the same thing. I, they went, and a young boy, and they came home men, and I saw the power in them as they came. And he said, I just, it was something I needed to do and had to be part of. So he, uh, that was his turning, turning the gate. And I think uh, 
in all of it. That maybe be what he needed and, and having knew what to, what was going to happen and, and Jed's home now in a good place. And, and I, and I feel like it's, it's, uh, it was meant to be. And it's, it, in fact, Helaman 12, one to three, um, was a scripture. I, I, I found myself daily in the scriptures, thirsting and, and drinking deeply from the words that were there. And sometimes words were, and I've gone back and read them and I thought, well, how did that happen? And, and I, but the thought I had in the, in the moment was an answer to a question that I had, but it, the scriptures didn't say anything about an answer to that. But one of them that did have an answer to for me was he went 12, one to three. And he said, thus we can behold how false and also the instead is the hearts of the children of men. Yea, we can see that the, that the Lord in his great infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in him. We may see at the very time when he does prosper his people and they increase their fields, flocks, herds, gold, silver, all manner of precious things and and uh, delivering them out of the hands of their enemies, softening the hearts of their enemies. They should not declare wars against them. Yea, and find doing all things for the welfare and happiness of his people. Then is the time that they do harden their hearts and forget the Lord their God and trample under feet the Holy One. Yea, this because their ease and their great prosperity. And then in verse three, this is where it really got me. And thus we see that except the Lord does chase his people with many afflictions, except he does visit them with death and with terror, with famine and all manner of pestilence, they will not remember him. And I believe that uh, that was written for me. <laughs> I believe that Jed accomplished some design here in his life that uh, we learned that that uh, life can get easy and it was, seemed to be at that time. But God is gracious and he's good. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't give us things that we can't handle. But he gave us something here that brought us all back and closer as a family. And Jed was a, was a big king, a piece of that. And uh, he, I think that God in that in that moment spared all of our lives from perhaps some of the things that we may have got gotten off the path and out somewhere that that may not have pleased God. And it doesn't need we need to be that we do things that are contrary, but we're just not doing His will and the sweetness of and the joy and as Elder uh, or President Tom uh, Russell M. Nelson declared through his talk, joy and spiritual survival, that these are the things that keep us on that path, that keep us feeling peace, that we find the joy and the happiness that we all seek so much in a world that's that's becoming very turbulent, very uncertain, but, but the certainty is and always will be in God's power. He is the deliverer. He is the peace giver. He is the all. And when we look to him, there is no sting in death or anything else that we experience there's only joy because we recognize that he's still working with us. He still loves us and he still cares about us and wants us home. He doesn't want us to fail in this life. He's there all the way and will answer any question. But but I've learned that it's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym and you just lay on the bench and you don't lift one weight, you don't get any stronger. You have to go. Faith precedes the miracle. You have to go and do what is necessary so that you can receive the miracle and you can hear his voice again. Well, thank you for the, those comments, and I want to go back uh, to several things. First of all, it's such a blessing to have revelation in our life, and you're an example of that. Um, when you were to go and go to your son and have that that ride, and the other thing is that your son kept a journal, and that these journals are not only for us during our lifetime, but for those after we're gone. 
And so I'm grateful that your son um, was able to, to write those things. Well, you said you had a business. What kind of business were you in? Well, I'm an entrepreneur, and I owned and operated uh, six different businesses uh, at one time. I owned a ranch out west uh, that we raised 20,000 chick pheasants a year um, and sold them in the fall. And, uh, and then we had uh, winter wheat out there and safflower that we, we planted and harvested. And then I owned a, 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 a development company where we bought raw ground, developed lots, and sold lots. I uh, was a part of a construction company. I owned an exterior building products division that we had eight locations, uh, three in Idaho and five in Utah. Um, I owned a computer company. Uh, I owned a fishing store called Angler's Den. Uh, I still own it today. It's the only thing I have left, and I'm I'm uh, positioning it right now to sell it because I, I really want to just focus on what the Lord needs me to do in the days I have left here. Um, I want to be in the temple a lot. Uh, when I passed away, I was in the temple every week and we would do back-to-back sessions and sometimes we would do triples. And I found that the first session that my mind and heart were still in the world somewhat, the second session, I was more in tune and the third session was totally revelatory. So, <laughs> but in all of that, what in the business I owned, I just, I just know that, uh, that God supported all of it. And when I was doing what I needed to, I knew when things weren't right in, in any one of them and was able to take care of them. But I sold the ranch. I've, I've sold the exterior building products division. I've sold the, I'm finishing up my last uh, 12 lots in my development company, but I've sold and, and uh, moved out of it now. And I sold the, the building part of it. And I'm just, uh, the only thing I have left is the fishing store and uh, of all of those. And, and uh, I'm, I'm positioning it to be sold too, but I'm, I'm 66 years old, and and uh, uh, just it's just time for me to. And I'd I'd like to serve a couple of missions, Sherry and I, if we can. While our health is still good, to facilitate. And I I love my mission was one of the most eventful times of my life, the turning point for me personally, at 19, that uh, changed my life and and helped me to get back where I needed to be. Well, you said a computer company. What what did that entail? We uh, we built uh, supplied companies uh, with computers uh, put in the software they needed and developed uh, hardware around it <clears throat> that uh, they could their business could function on it and then we put the software in place of so the, the packages that they needed to do their their accounting or their PL statements or whatever they needed inventory uh, all the processing of that uh, and I found elder Bernard that that uh, I'm at a being an entrepreneur doesn't mean I know things <laughs> it just means I have I'm not afraid to pull a trigger on things. Um, and, uh, this, the people I found that worked for me, I found that, that when you get good people that have good skills in certain areas, if you use them in the way and where they're supposed to be, that you'll be successful. And I put round pegs and round holes for my, most of my career and uh, paid them well and gave them a, a nice bonus at the end of the year based on how they did each, each division. And, and then that never failed me other than, than once. And, uh, I, I realized with that individual that I had a square peg in a round hole and, and, uh, it, it taught me a great lesson that, that uh, people have skills and qualities and traits that you need to focus on and they need to focus on because they're what makes them who they are. Yes. And, uh, when, when you allow them to become who they're meant to be, uh, they become powerful and, and a contributor to life. And you know, the, the beautiful part was they loved what they did and they went home happy. Yes, uh, I see too many people that go home today that are, that don't like their jobs, and and 
it, I can't imagine what home life's like for them. Yeah, I I agree. I I see the same thing. It's it's always good to be. You need to love what you're doing. Now, yep. you are currently serving as a stake president. What other callings have you had? I've been young men's president for 20 years. Uh, I uh, was a young adult bishop uh, for, for five years, um, served on the high council of young adults, uh, served as a counselor in the young adults, served as a full-time missionary with my wife in our stake, um, and then served as a full-time missionary for the institute at Weber State for five years, and, and we Sherry and I served for five years as a senior adult couple missionary. Uh, but most of my most of my life has been with young adults. Uh, yes, my I, first calling after we got we got married was with the uh, young people, and and from there I moved in the young men's and became the young men's president. Like I said, from that point forward, I served not 22 years consecutively, but 22 years as a, as a young men's president in our stake here. Wow, that is that's quite a few years, even if it's not consecutive. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, well, you must love the young people, and that shows in your stake when I was there and with the YSA uh, group there. Well, we've talked about the scriptures, and you've talked quite a bit about how they influence you. Uh, how do you study the scriptures? You know, I, I've i learned that uh, it's not just to read. I don't go and peruse. I, I go and, and dive, and I I, I take all the references that a scripture gives and I'll spend, I could spend an hour or better on one verse in the scriptures. And when I'm taught something, I, I, and I've loved what you taught us in that journaling that you did, because this is, that was the main thing I wanted young adults to know. They, they bring boxes and boxes of journals into my office and plop a box on the desk and I'll ask them to find me something. They said, Oh, take me, take me hours present to find that. And I said, well, what value is it to you of, of that? And so organizing that was just very powerful for me. So now I'm doing this, what you've invited us to do. So when I get revelation, I, I, I alphabet, alphabetically put it together so that I put it in a, in a slot so I, I can type in that word and, and all of those with a reference to that word come up and I can find the one that I'm looking for. But I, I find that, that I receive more when I record more, but I also receive more as I ponder, and it may be two or three scriptures a day. Uh, today I've spent, you know, probably 45 minutes on three scriptures. And just, it just, I, I, it's just a world that opens up to you that answers lots of questions you have. And I find fascinating that the words uh, uh, that come to me aren't the words that are written in the scriptures. So it's, it's heaven blessing us daily by us wanting to and, and desiring to have that communication with heaven and have those channels open and we receive what, what we need. Do you use a hard copy of the scriptures using the gospel library, using a combination of the two? What What are you doing? You know, I'm old school. I use a I use a hard copy, um, but I go to the I go to the to the technology to 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 put one together and to highlight it, copy it, and paste it, and put it in it in places I need to. And so, what you taught us is what I really need to learn. And and it, it, I can see the young adults were right on page with you that night, but I, I got lost after a few minutes, and so I've got to go back and, and perhaps with you just, just to sit and walk through that again so I can understand exactly how I can use the technology. And, the, and I see it in the church every day. Um, the brethren are using it constantly, and it's, it's a day and age where we need to have readily access to lots of things and connect lots of pieces where our brains are, are a great source of power. But for me to connect 12 things together, like, like I've seen with the brother and I've sat with them, 
it's just fascinating to me. And they'll pull one and they'll see a reference on their screen. And they, they slide it over. Here's another thought with that rates to that. And so I'm trying to move more in the technology world uh, and get more familiar with that. So I can have access to lots of past talks. In fact, I was just reading President Monson's address this morning about the power of the Book of Mormon again. And, and I was I was actually there in that conference when he gave that talk. And, and uh, just I don't know, there's just some things there that I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I. It's and I, I I get going on some things. It's like like now I'm I'm just uh, rolling with some thoughts and I just I don't want to impede where you want to go with this and what what you want to have happen here this morning. Well, as I told you in our pre-recording, um, I have no expectations. I just I just ask questions and listen, and I just enjoy listening to people and their stories. And if it's somebody. Um, that's a great scholar or somebody that's not a great scholar. I, I always learn. I, uh, but a question came to my mind. Um, I was at a different ward on Sunday <clears throat> because I gave a presentation in Plano, Texas during the time that um, my ward normally uh, meets. And I found it interesting. A question was brought up. Are we in our studies? Are we supposed to focus on "Come Follow Me" or the Book of Mormon? And they turned to the bishop, and the bishop said, "Oh, the brethren want us to focus on "Come Follow Me." And I thought, but I have plenty of quotes from the brethren that we should be in the Book of Mormon every day. And of course, this question is popping up because this ward, as you look around, had a lot of young couples with one or two children that are one or two years old. And so it's a, a young group. And we know what it's like at that age to be struggling and to, you know, be paying the bills and working and everything. And so they're really questioning, well, I only have so much time. What can I do? And, and I didn't offer any comments. But I just found it interesting that the bishop was so convinced that that we need to make sure we're in Come Follow Me daily. Now, you're a stake president, and if I was a member of your your stake, and I come from my temple recommend, and while I'm doing that, I say, I've got a question, and I just asked you that question. Should I focus on the Book of Mormon or in Come Follow Me? What would be your response? Uh, I my, my response to that always is to, to give equal time. Um, because President Nelson overcome the world, endure and be lifted up, joy and spiritual survival, the power of spiritual momentum, always has the Book of Mormon. It's threaded through that. So Robert D. Hales years ago gave a talk, just before he passed away, and he asked the membership of the church in general conference, he said, if you focus, instead of making this such a linear line that we sometimes do, we have to go from A to Z, it's, it, and I've found it's more of a, of a vertical line, it's more, more towards heaven, but, but as he said, as you focus on one Christ-like attribute, what does that do to the rest of them? And, you know, as members of the church, we can't respond, obviously, in that. But I thought to myself, well, that attribute becomes a real piece of you. <clears throat> and, and he said, until it weaves itself in the fibers of your heart, <clears throat> work on that one. And, and then he said something very interesting to me. He said that, that every other Christ-like attribute, when we work on one, rises also, not the pinnacle that that does, but it rises. And so I, I thought about that a lot. And I and I as I thought about the prophets, every President Nelson, when he asked us to what the Book of Mormon affirms, what it what it refutes, what it, you know, all of those things. And I tried to do what he did. 
and I spent a year and I still have, I've, I've got a list that's a, about three quarters of an inch thick now on, on a legal sized paper, but, but I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with that. And I, and I was reading just this morning about president Boston. He said that he wanted to speak about the power of the book of Mormon and the critical need we have as members of the church to study, ponder and apply its teachings in our lives. The importance of having a firm and sure testimony of the book of Mormon cannot be overstated. So, if I don't, if I'm not in the Book of Mormon every day, which is a book to to convince the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, to that that there's a power that comes to us as a result of that, that we live in a great a great time of trouble and turmoil. And this, but if we have and maintain an, a, a a pattern of reading from the Book of Mormon as well as come follow me, I don't, I I know the brother is fired and having us do this. It's it's like Elder Hale said, they all connect. And I can't study the Book of Mormon without getting revelation about Come Follow Me. And I can't study Come Follow Me without getting revelation related to the Book of Mormon and think, things that, that flow and uh, go back and forth. So I was in that general conference when President Monson gave this address. And he said, he said this, and I heard, I heard President Nelson's words as I read his again this morning. <clears throat> he said, because the Book of Mormon is true, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the Lord's church on the earth and the Holy Priesthood of God has been restored for the benefit and blessing of his children. If you do not have a firm testimony of these things, do that which is necessary to obtain one. <clears throat> it is essential for you to have your own testimony. And I heard President Nelson's voice in this, for you to have, have your own testimony in these difficult times when he told us to own our own testimony. For the testimony of others will carry you only so far. However, once obtained, a testimony must be kept, needs to be kept vital and alive. So if I get a testimony of the Book of Mormon, I lay it down. It's a living, it's a living principle and spirit that if I don't exercise that, that power in me, I lose the connection of the sure witness that it's the most correct of any book on the face of the earth, that a man will get near to God by abiding by his precepts than by any other book. And he said his last statement, an elder, President Monson had to be helped to stand. I was there at that conference. Um, he had two guys got on the floor. They crawled on the floor and helped him get to the podium. Now, why would a, a, an address by a prophet of God that lasted for three minutes, he concluded with this. He said, my dear associates in the work of the Lord, I employ each of us to prayerfully study and ponder the Book of Mormon each day. As we do so, we'll be in a position to hear the voice of the Spirit, to resist temptation, to overcome doubt and fear, and to receive heaven's help in our lives. And they closed with his testimony. And... Uh, and then helped back to his chair and sat back in his chair. Why would a prophet of God that's on the threshold of life and death give that as a three-minute to the church worldwide? He said, here it is, my friends. Stay in this book because it will, it will bless your lives daily. And President Nelson's first three addresses in the church were something he connected. And the brethren said they tried to keep up with him in the reading he was doing in the Book of Mormon, and they couldn't. But, but he just, he is so saturated by the Book of Mormon that this is where I, I think that most of, most of President Nelson's information and talks come from. Well, thank you for those comments. In fact, I'm going to have to go back and find that, um, that, that three minutes. I won't take long because I've got the Gospel Library. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm, defi I'm def definitely going to take that and uh, tag it and put it in a notebook for me. That's, that's a great... Um, a great uh, uh, quote, absolutely. Well, now you said you had other things about the scriptures and you weren't sure which direction I wanted to head. I don't have any direction. Do you have anything else to share about your studying of the scriptures? 
Um, just that I, I find my days that when I get up first thing in the morning, I, and I've learned that before my feet touch the ground, my, my knees hit the floor first. And I, when I start with prayer and I get to my scriptures, my days go better and I'm more clear. I, I think clearer. I prosperly prosper differently. I, just the day goes so much better for me. But when I get up and, and a lot of latitude of things come into my mind and I get, I get off track and then I try to get to study to, to them later, I may do okay, but I don't do as well as I do in the morning with it. Uh, and I, they, that could be just me, but I've most of my young adults that I talk to, I encourage them to get up 20 minutes earlier and just read the Book of Mormon long enough until they have a feeling of, of the Spirit come and, and they can write a note or two down about what they felt and then go to come follow me or whatever they're doing with their family or whatever, however they prospered out from there. But, but I found that, that everything was created spiritually before it was naturally upon the face of the earth. And if I enact spiritually before I enact physically, and I, again, I, I relate that back to my businesses and I, I, I just, everything that I have is the Lord's. Um, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed and uh, to run, operate that many businesses without some kind of help. But I, I learned that, that I always put the Lord first even with all those businesses, I never neglected my calling. I never neglected my family. I never neglected my scripture, my prayer, my tithing, my fasting, every, everything that the Lord has invited us to do, I didn't neglect. And because of it, I believe in my heart that everything else was, was, I was blessed by him to be able to, to be able to even accomplish any part of that. Well, I would agree with that. Well, it sounds like we're kind of at the end here, and as I told you previously, I always ask my guests if they would mind bearing their testimony. Would you be able to do that? I, I would, Elder Bernard, and thank you for allowing me to do that, but I, I feel like I bore my testimony more than once today. Um, it's in my heart. It's in my words. Um, it's, a, it's a spiritual prompting that comes continually to recognize my relationship with God that uh, I've realized that the Savior is a direct line with the Father and that the prophet Joseph Smith was in direct line with the Savior and President Russell M. Nelson is in direct line with the Savior today. Uh, what we're hearing is what the Savior would have us know, and I, I witnessed that because I've had some experiences recently that have validated that for me again and again, and I just know that by living the gospel of Jesus Christ, not by just check mark boxes that we do, but living it, making it a part of our life, ministering in a higher and holier way. Ministering is not um, text messaging somebody about something, but ministering is being on the doorstep one-on-one, one -on -one, which the Savior did. Even when he came to 3rd Nephi, that, that he took the people one by one and blessed them and prayed to the Father for them. And I, I love that sequence of things because I've realized his connection to me and the DNA, DNA that I have is divine and that uh, if i just connect with that in some some phase of my life in simple ways i have a i have a better feeling i have clearer thinking and i have a more more harmonious desire to eliminate all contention from my life and i found that that's a that's a very powerful thing uh and that that if we're and I, i've also realized that contention can sometimes be in our own hearts about ourselves and so I've learned the gift and value of repentance. The Savior provided the way, and He is the way, and He is the light. And as we walk His His way, that uh, then He can put His arm around us and say, and He can talk to us, us about which way we should be going. And I, I love I love the heavens uh, for all that, that those those that are there, angels assigned from time to time 
to minister to us the spirit, the, the, the gospel, the truths of, and uh, all that we have to, to facilitate and to navigate through this life. And I, I bear witness to all that uh, he lives, that he did the impossible that we couldn't do so that we could have the blessings of what he did do. And when we apply, we receive those blessings. And I'm grateful for that. I just, I can't emphasize enough that to, to my love for my Savior. And for Heavenly Father, create a plan of the Savior being willing to carry it out. And I testify of those things and of the value of the Book of Mormon every day in our lives, the power that brings and the, and the, the comfort that comes from words that are, that are spoken to us, but that, are never, that were never written. And do that and leave it with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.